it's a knife hand. It just, it looked really bad. It's just like this, it just, I didn't like it. Aesthetically, it didn't please me. Did you like the bear claw better? Oh yeah, bear claw's cool. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan, and I finally watched Enter the Dragon. And this is David. And today, I also finally watched Enter the Dragon. So David, Bruce Lee. You know, I think this is honestly the first, I don't think I've ever seen a Bruce Lee movie until this one, just now. We obviously both saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which uh, is not a Bruce Lee movie. Yeah. And a lot of people who like Bruce Lee aren't very fond of that representation of him. Um, what's interesting to me about this is I didn't realize, like, I, I don't, I obviously know who Bruce Lee is, and I think you know who Bruce Lee is too as well. Um, but I didn't really, like, I guess understand the timeline of Bruce Lee. And, like, I knew that Enter the Dragon was, like, the film that made him famous. What I did not realize is, like, this is the last film he made before he died. He died three weeks before this movie premiered in Hong Kong. Um, I, I did not know that. You know, I know, he, I know he died at a relatively early age. But now, like, looking at the movie, I was thinking, like, oh, how did he die? What did he die from? And, like, he looks super extremely healthy in the film, now knowing that he died three weeks before the premiere. What, uh, what killed him? It was like a, it was like a reaction to a, a drug. I don't even, it wasn't like a street drug or anything. It was just, and it's also, there's like a little bit of like mystery around, but there was some sort of like reaction to some drug he was taking, I think. I was trying to find the, um, I was trying to remember without doing absolutely any research, that movie he, uh, he was in where he wore the yellow uh, jumper, the one that uh, Uma Thurman wears in uh, Kill Bill. Right. What uh what movie is that called? Uh the movie was called Game of Death, which is a movie that Bruce Lee never got to finish uh cuz he died before finishing it. Wow. So <laughs> yeah, that's funny cuz I guess that's like his most famous like look, right? Like I would say that's like if you think of Bruce Lee, you go to him in the yellow uh jumpsuit. But then I've seriously, before you uttered those words, have never heard the title of that movie. And yet I think everyone and their mother knows Enter the Dragon. Well, this is clearly his most famous uh, movie. And the other thing I was reading is that this didn't like click with me, but he was actually like, he was famous in Asia, like during his life, you know, towards the end, obviously. But his fame in America was really like posthumously. Like the like how famous he is now was like something that started building after he died. And I think this obviously had a lot to do with it because it's probably one of his most well received uh movies. Um and so it's just it's just crazy to th- to think about it that way. Um and it's probably something that if you were like a big Bruce Lee fan, you're like, Well, how the fuck did you guys not know this? But um I think it's also just something that uh you can like miss if you just like watch his movies. Yeah, well, like I said, this is the first Bruce Lee movie that I've seen, um, and I kind of figured what I was, you know, getting into. It, it's like, um, it's like that set, that late seventies, early eighties vibe mixed with, I guess, like, <sighs> honestly, I don't know if like every kung fu tournament movie took from this or this took from every kung fu tournament movie but one way or the other i feel like i've seen this film before well you have i showed it to you uh and i was telling you before the podcast and i'm glad you didn't steal this but this was a this movie was like a combination of dr no and blood sport which obviously blood sport came out many years later um but I think what's what's interesting too about it is you would know this as a Bruce Lee goes to a private island to enter into like a fighting tournament and he like barely fights. You know what I mean? He like, he takes out one guy, uh, he takes out O'Hara, which is obviously like the bad guy that he's set up to take out. Right. And then he doesn't even get to fight Bolo. Um, and so it's, and then he's obviously he fights Han and then he fights a bunch of random dudes um in the cave scene 
So, but it is interesting that he does very little like tournament fighting in this movie. And I was, you know, honestly kind of disappointed in that because at least what Bloodsport did is a good portion of tournament fighting, you know? And I think for, for the way it was set up, because I, I found, no offense to Bloodsport, but I found the characters in Enter the Dragon more interesting and dynamic than the characters in Bloodsport. Just because I felt like you could really tell them apart. Um, but they set, the, they set them up in such a way that I was ready for like each of them to have a character arc. Um, and some did and some didn't. And, and I think uh, some screen time for some of them was cut too short. So I was kind of sad about that. Well, it's funny, I think, with this movie, too. And, I mean, Bloodsport doesn't, doesn't really set up the characters at all. Right. You know, it sets up Frank Dukes, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and then a little bit sets up his friend. Um, and then it sets up Bolo, who's in this, as, like, the bad guy. Um, which, by the way, he changed his name. His name is not Bolo. It was, like, Yang Z. And he changed it to Bolo after this movie. Um, so Bola was like his stage name from then on out. But um, wait, wait, the the guy with the scar on his face? No, that's O'Hara. Bolo is the guy, is the Chinese guy that's fucking huge. That is also the main bad guy in Bloodsport that is even more fucking huge in Bloodsport. You beefed up. Yeah. I mean, not that he looked small in this, but like, <laughs> dear God. Um, could you imagine with like, 2000 2010s like steroids and technology like how big he would be you think it was steroids or you think it was just built uh bulking and and working out no i'm saying like with steroids now how big he could have been i mean there were oh, steroids yeah. back then i don't know it's, it's pretty unnaturally big looking but if he did do it with all hard work congratulations i guess large uh, large dude i think that was the most interesting part for me and we just you know we'll go more into it but it's his uh his fight with ohara i i think that was the i wish that was the climax in a way because it felt just very personal and it it i i wish that's where the main focus on went to towards the movie um it didn't that's okay but you know what I mean? D didn't that just feel like that was supposed to be the fight, especially as Bruce Lee was the main character? Well, I think one thing that kind of makes you think that is, um, so Han is a Shaolin monk, just like Bruce Lee is in this movie. Right. Or is, they just call him Lee the entire time. So, um, But uh, looking at him, he doesn't look like he can fight. Throughout the entire movie, he doesn't look like, he looks older and like he just doesn't really do anything. Um, so you don't realize that that's supposed to be the climactic fight of the movie. Also, they didn't really like set up high stakes with that fight. Which one? Uh, between Lee and Han. Although it was cool. It was like done in a very cool way. I just felt like it, it didn't build that relationship between them, you know? Yeah, but I mean, Han is just as responsible for Lee's death as O'Hara is really, because it's his guy, you know, you mean, he's um, sort of Lee's sister's death. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, I mean, he's the boss of this guy that killed your sister or caused your sister to die. So it's like, and he's also just a really bad dude who like traffics in women and does presumably other bad stuff, but we never really get to see it. Um, his uh, opium cave, I guess. But is the opium just for the women? I, it, there's like a lot of things set up in this movie that never like either don't go anywhere or don't really fully pay off. Um, and that's I don't the that's the part that lost me. Like I was like into the movie, right? Like I was following it. I was like, okay, Roper is him. His motivation is that. This is that. Lee goes there, hired by these guys. I get it. Everything is clear. And then Lee going around like um, investigating the grounds and then Roper getting like roped into that conversation with uh, Han, like with the cat on the guillotine. I'm like, okay, where is this going? Where, what the hell is happening now? 
And that's where it lost me. It got me back again when it was like, okay, now we have to kill these guys. But that there's a in-between middle part there that I'm like, sure, I, I don't know what's happening, but I guess I'll just go with it. Well, we can get into it as it goes along. But I mean, one main example is um, Roper goes over to Williams when they're at the feast and he's like, it, you know, it kind of feels like we're getting, we're, it kind of feels like we're getting uh, fattened up before the slaughter. So I was like, oh, is this like a tournament to the death? And it's like, no, just tournament. You like, you can go home at the end. <laughs> yeah, as yeah. As long as you don't like sneak around and find his lair, you're like, it's, you're pretty safe. And then they like bring these women. And uh, at one point, Williams like takes four of them. And he's like, I'd take more, but I don't want to get tired. She's like, yeah, don't tire out. And I was like, are they giving them women so that they're like, will be, you know, fatigued during the fight? And it's like, no, that doesn't have anything to do with it either. I get that part was just so like Lee could find uh, the one woman that's been planted there. So, um, and that's not to say all these like maybe missing threads are things that like detract from the movie. Cause I think it's still great. It's like visually pretty stunning, especially like whenever there's like wide shots of just Hong Kong, I'm always like, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. That, um, for 1970, what, 1974, something like that, it's the uh, cinematography was actually pretty great. Um, I, I cannot say the same thing about sound editing. Actually, I, I will not say the same thing about sound editing. Uh, that was awful. Talking about like the voices being matched up with the dialogue? Like every, every piece of dialogue in the entire movie was ADR'd. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, purposely. Um, why? It was shot silently. I don't know why. The whole movie cost $850,000. So, presumably, and, like, I think there was, like, some equipment problems when they brought in people. Like, uh, the director of photography, like, went in and, like, looked at all the lenses he was, like, could use. And was just, like, these are all shit. Um, so, I think just because it was somewhat cheaply made um, and... Uh, and yeah, I just think that that caused problems, but it, I don't know. It's like, if you, if you paid attention too much, it would, it would detract a little bit. Some of it didn't look like ADR, like, cause I was paying attention to it a little bit and some of it looked fairly natural and then other parts looked really bad. Um, so, you know, it's whatever it was hit or miss on that part, but that's like, I mean, for older movies, that's like a somewhat common thing that, that happens. You know, you have like the, uh, the spaghetti Westerns that did that a lot. And then this, so it's like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't feel like it was too big of a deal, but it was noticeable. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and at first I thought, well, is it because are they only doing it to like the Asian actors? Maybe they can't speak very good English, but no, they did it to everyone. And then I, I was looking at the lips moving on every actor and it didn't look like any of them was speaking, you know, anything but English except when when I think Han spoke Cantonese because my subtitles said speaking Cantonese yelling in Cantonese and I was like okay I guess I guess they do but oh but you know um I uh well let's let's start at the beginning because this movie kind of starts in a in a different way um because you you start out like right at the start you're in the what monk Shaolin, Shaolin monk, yeah, Shaolin temple, temple, yeah. With him fighting, uh, fighting Sammo Hung. Did you ever watch Martial Law with Sammo Hung? No. Oh man, that is a big part of my childhood. It came on after Walker Texas Ranger. <laughs> um, yeah, those were like I think those were Friday nights as a kid. And me, me and the family just watching Walker Texas Ranger, and then. For a couple of years, Sammo Hung. But what's interesting about uh, all the fights were just choreographed by Bruce Lee, and like in the final script, most of the fights just said Bruce Lee will take care of it. like Lee will take care of this part. Like <laughs> there's going to be a fight, um, so it's pretty cool. Like a lot of the the action is definitely something that holds up. You know, you do have the uh, sometimes when there's fifty guys, you have the one attacking at a time thing. But I mean, that's all of these like all these movies but even though there's one attacking at a time i think they even did that pretty well oh yeah absolutely no i agree i mean yeah some were somewhere together too some were coming from behind so um 
But you know, it's funny too, in the, in the beginning, and I didn't notice this until the second watch, but his dad and the British agent, whatever that British guy is, uh, were watching him in that first fight. And I didn't notice it. And then he, you know, his teacher uh, tells him to meet with this guy who's going to give him more information about Han, you know, because that's like, it's funny, his teacher tells him he's going to go after Han. And then this British guy who's named Braithwaite, who's like such a fucking British name, like he tells him he needs to fight Han. And then his dad tells him he needs to go and fight Han. Because you're your sister. Um, what's funny too is the dad then is like pouring them tea. There's like a lot of like unexplained stuff going on in the bank. For, for example, uh, who, what agency does this British guy work for? It's like I he never said. Okay, I swear... I can go and look, but I swear in the, like the Netflix, um, little paragraph, it says CIA, which a British guy going to Asia to recruit Lee from the CIA doesn't make a bit of sense, but I'll... especially cause he's like, we don't have any, he's like, we can't storm it. I have to make a phone call. <laughs> That's like, and his name's Braithwaite. So it's clearly like, he clearly is British. Am I six? I don't know, man. I think MI6 can kill people too. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. I think they obviously leave it unsaid uh, purposefully. Um, I remember that scene where he's like, we can't just go in there, guns are blazing. And I was like, yeah, but, yeah, but it, CIA can. I was, I was like, is this like a weird, like um, funded by the CIA movie being like, hey, you, you got to make us look good. We, we, we got to have a line in there that we can't kill people because we don't. Wink, wink. Right. Um, and then he has like, I love when he's talking to the British guy and he's like, this, uh, other dude shows up. He's like, it's Lao's time. And the British guy's just like, oh, okay, I get that. I, I understand that what's happening. And then he like goes over and does like a 15 second lesson with this dude and then sends him on his way and then comes back to finish the conversation. And then they even further have the conversation in like a hotel room with a projector. And at this point Lee's wearing a suit for yep. some reason. Yep. Um, I thought that was like, it was interesting. And apparently um, in that scene, uh, Bruce Lee gets upset because he's like, why don't you just shoot him with the gun? He's like, no guns. And they go through this like great explanation about how like guns are illegal in whatever. They don't okay. explain like no, they what do. waters own this. So what it is, is that guns are illegal in, in on the island because Han had a run-in with someone who was trying to assassinate him, like one of his own guys. And so like all of his armed guards had guns, right? And, but there was a coup and one of them was trying to get rid of him. This is what I understood as. And uh, after that attempted assassination, Han was like, okay, yeah, no, no one has guns on my island, not even my own like personal guard. Well, yeah, Han can't make guns illegal. It's like whatever country has but his, sovereignty over the island. He owns the whole island, though. He can make, like... I, mean, I, I own, like, the land I'm living on, I own. It doesn't mean I make the laws there. Like, the, the British guy yeah, explains... What do you fucking mean? It doesn't matter. <laughs> if someone brings a gun to your house and you said, hey, but no guns allowed... It, that doesn't make it illegal. You use the word illegal. That's the point I'm making. And the British guy said that this, this island is partially in this water owned by, I think it was, this is when Britain owned Hong Kong. So that's, I think what he was saying, but he doesn't say this is in British water. He says in this water, because they purposely are leaving everything vague. And he says that would make the guns illegal. And then he also says Han doesn't like guns on the island and won't allow guns on the island because he was, uh, there was an assassination attempt before. That's what it was going to get to before you tried to explain that Han makes the laws of the island that he lives on and owns. It's an island. It makes sense to me. But also, um, I, because they went in such a lengthy explanation on like how only part of the island, they could, they could like go in and shoot, um, but they can't do it on like the main part of the island. I thought the whole plot, like the way the movie was going to develop, is try to get Han on the side of the island that they could just like missiles strike him with. I don't know. That would have been Does cool. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like they have the, the budget for that, that sort of thing. But also, apparently, Bruce Lee like wanted to use guns in the movie. And so they had to, like this full explanation was so that he would just know like we're, we're not. And his reaction of like, we can't use guns was like kind of genuine because he was just annoyed by like the fact that they wouldn't put a gun in the movie. 
how how accurate do you think um the portrayal of bruce lee from once upon a time in hollywood was to actual bruce lee um but no i don't think it's that accurate i don't really know that we have any information that would say it's that accurate so i think that Bruce Lee was probably pretty arrogant and maybe confident in himself, but I also think that he was probably, uh, for the most part, able to back that up. Yeah. Um, the reason I ask is because, you know, you kind of get that arrogance and that confidence. Um, yet if he didn't become, you know, as famous as he was until after his death, I just kind of wondered, like, where that all came from, since this movie was kind of like the pinnacle of his fame in a way well he's still very famous especially in asia um so i don't i mean he also i mean he was on like american television for sure right because he was in the green hornet um so yeah I, i'm i'm not sure i think this is like i think the the legend and like aura of bruce lee like really happened after his death because also there's the mystery surrounding his death um that's always uh that's always like fascinated me right with like him and Jackie Chan and Jean-Claude Van Damme it's like kung fu gods but also famous actors like what came first you want to be an actor so you learn kung fu or you knew kung fu and you just so happen now you're an actor you know i would imagine they and i don't think it's always kung fu but i would imagine they knew the martial arts first and then they got into the movies by like you know being martial artists that makes sense because you would have to start this at a very young age to be this proficient yeah but i mean they're not it's not real martial arts right bruce lee didn't drop out of college and be like you know what you know what i'm gonna pick up <laughs> he, he saw an ad on his way in on a bus he saw an ad for like taekwondo and was like fuck it <laughs> let's see if i can let's see if i can make something no but i just meant like okay you're gonna have a you're gonna be proficient in in taekwondo karate kung fu whatever jujitsu and then you're just going to become an actor and that's going to be your like your shtick right i mean that's interesting that's a that's kind of a cool way to get into the industry if you ask me uh yeah no yeah and i but i think he is uh, a little bit of like a trailblazer in that aspect though um as far as like making a career out of this um we got way off topic but so i think the next scenes are when we meet kind of the two other guys williams and roper but even before that you want to talk about the sister backstory well the sister backstory happens in the flashbacks which is when we meet the other two um and the sister when i rewatched the movie i just sort of fast forwarded through that part because it was just like a big chase scene and then she ends up just like killing herself um and that's where you get like the real motivation for why he had already agreed to do this but now he's like really got to do it right um but it's um i don't know it was a scene where it's like i get the importance of it but i was like let me let me get back to like him kicking some ass and like meeting these other guys. I, uh, I like the, so you're introduced to our, um, O'Hara, right? Yeah. O'Hara, and, O'Hara. O'Hara, O'Hara. And, um, <laughs> the, uh, the videos that you're shown of him doing, um, you know, breaking boards and concrete on fire and, and stuff like that. Um, there was like a slight little thing that's like, yeah, this is him pre-scar on his face. And it made me wonder like, okay, well, was that just like, that's the footage that they had of this actor? And then they were like, oh, crap, we, did, we didn't put the scar on his face. All right, put it in a quick line about it. This is pre-scar. And then it's like, we don't know how he got a scar. And then I'm just sitting there like, ooh, I wonder how he got a scar. I, I bet we will never find out. This is such a mystery. And like two seconds later, it shows that his Lee's dad is the one that gave him the scar. I was like, Oh, that was short lived. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't, that's one thing they, uh, that's a loose end they tie up. I was going to say just about the only loose end they tie up. After that, you get to see Roper's quick backstory and you just realize like he's a degenerate gambler who like is really not only a degenerate gambler, gambler, but apparently really bad at it. (laughs) 
do, right. I don't think we, we do not see him win a bet the entire time in the movie. Didn't he set it up so that when, during one of his fights, he asked Williams. That's, that's Williams bet though. I guess he does win the bet on Williams fight though. So I guess that's one. That's one. Yeah. But besides that. Especially the praying mantis. He very much failed at the praying mantis fight. Yeah. So apparently they flew in the praying mantises to fight all the way from like Hawaii. And then once they got there, they wouldn't fight. (laughs) (laughs) How did they get the shots? I don't know. They probably just kept putting them on top of each other or something. It didn't look that, it didn't look that vicious. I mean, even the one where Roper's like, Oh no, like I lost. They're just sitting on each other. It doesn't look like anything's happened. Yeah. That's so funny. There's like, that would have to been like CG nowadays. There's no way you could get through like PETA and have like animals kill each other actually on screen, you know? No. Right. Um, and then you get William's backstory is just like cops are racist and I had to beat them up so I could fly to Hong Kong because they wouldn't let me leave. I love that. That was amazing. Actually, I mean, we'll just, you know, spoilers, but no spoilers. Um, Williams is my favorite character, hands down. And I was really sad to see him die like halfway in the, through the movie. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, he, he is really great in it. It is the movie doesn't go on much longer after he dies he does he is in it for a while but um the fact that he gets taken out by han like at that point han i'm like who this dude doesn't really seem like he's anything and then he like find out he's got like a metal hand and just like slaps the shit out of him with it and kills him which is like the most like james bond shit i've ever seen yeah that is for sure well the the bear claw and then the metal hand and then the knives yeah it's like yeah um another another like trope i guess like um a spy trope was (laughs) so bruce lee like goes to investigate like around the grounds and i guess he feels like this like metal plate that's was it hotter than everything or is just cool air coming from there? I don't know. It was just plot device bullshit. And he knew to look there. Yeah. And then, uh, so he goes there, he investigates and then he goes away and he has to beat up two guards to do it. Um, but then I think it was who Williams was there at like wrong place, wrong time sort of thing. Right. And so they blamed him, but I love the Hans explanation. Like, Hey, my guards failed. So go ahead and basically like kick the shit out of them. You know, not kick the shit out of them. He killed them. Oh yeah. He did kill them. No, he did. No, no, no. It was, um, it was Bolo, but he had Bolo. Bolo Bolo killed every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, um, and that's, I guess where some of the deaths come in. Um, what, what I do think is, is cool about this movie and like, you know, is probably one of the things that elevates it in people's mind. And in my mind is they do do some character development in the beginning. Like you get this rope, is kind of like this playboy who like, did you, you see like the entire boat that he's being, uh, taken over into the big boat to go to Hans Island is filled with his suitcases. There's like 15 suitcases in there for this small tournament. He's going to be wearing like borrowed clothes for most of the time and then you know you get uh williams who's like has these run in with these police when he does nothing wrong and then he's pointing out all the poverty around them and they're just like oh same old roper same old williams and you know you get their backstory that they fought nom together so it is like they do do a good good job of setting them up almost more than lee really like lee we meet his family and we know that he comes from this monastery but like you know what I mean? For being the main character, he is left fairly mysterious. So explain to me the joke with Roper having all those suitcases, because I feel like I missed that. I know he had a lot of suitcases. I just didn't know what they were for. They were clothes. They he were was just clothes? like kind of, he was just kind of like this Playboy. Playboy prima donna, yeah. yeah. Uh, Playboy prima donna gambler. Degenerate gambler. Degenerate gambler. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you so, also get to you also get to meet Parsons, who's the New Zealand asshole that uh, 
He's like, it, it's similarly to where they set up O'Hara as going to be this badass, they sort of set up Parsons and he is like very, uh, Williams beats the shit out of him after he gets embarrassed by Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. So his, his time on the island is very short-lived. I love the boat scene where Lee was like, yeah, 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 let's go to this island. We'll fight it out. Get in the boat first. And then I was like, how could he not see this coming a million miles away? Right. But that was great. That was a great scene. He gave it to like the little kid, um, the rope to the little kid. So, okay. So we're there and then we get, so there's a lot of rules on Han Island, right? That's just doesn't make any sense to me. Like they're not allowed out past moonlight or past dusk. And then Lee gets in trouble for not wearing like the proper uniform, but yet no, like I think one person's like, Hey, you're not wearing the proper uniform. And then no one says shit. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, because one, I mean, he's he's Han's guest, so Han's probably going to let it slide because it's not that big a deal. And then two, the guy that says something to him, he realizes, like, this dude's going to kick my ass. Um, I do, like, besides being beautifully shot, when they actually get to the island and you see Bolo there for the first time and you see the um, the white lady that's, like, Han's, like, second-in-command, basically, that... uh you know, I fucks Roper as he walks onto the island. Yep. Um, I think that's all coolly set up. And then you just get this overview shot of all these henchmen that you realize Bruce Lee is going to have to fight later. Like just practicing in these different areas, which apparently were tennis courts, which now that you know that, like it obviously very much looked like tennis courts. Yes, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Let me ask you, did you ever watch, um, the original old boy yeah um the scene where lee is in the caves fighting like 20 30 henchmen did it remind you it reminded me of that scene in old boy where he had to fight like an uh endless slew of guys um, like in the narrow hallway yeah i mean obviously not that i think it's a it's a kung fu martial arts movie like trope at this point for the main dude to just take on so many guys at once and so like your movie just has to find kind of a unique way to do that um i don't know if this was one of the first but like (laughs) given the fact that you probably haven't seen a lot of these of like martial arts movies um you know i mean like all the i used to watch like all the jackie chan movies as a kid when they came out like rumble in the bronx First hey, strike, I, which, I've I've seen a rush hour or two. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, uh, first strike, which is the Jackie Chan goes to Australia. It's like really horrible, but also one of my favorites. Um, like so, it's just like that's a thing you have to have in the movies. And so, yeah, obviously, it's it's very similar to um, Old Boy, but then also it's just like all of them, all of them are like that. So this is, you know, your first time watching this movie, my first time watching this movie, you're more of a connoisseur of Kung Fu movies than I am. But are you kind of like disappointed that we've seen this so late in life, I guess, that it's like we're uh, a lot of these things that might have been the first time this happened in this movie, uh, but we're like desensitized from it because, you know, we've seen so many other movies that do the same crap. Um, did you feel like you, you could get an appreciation for being like, oh, I've seen this before, but this might have been the first time, this movie might have been the first time it was actually done to this like scale or this level. Or are you like, you know, Oh, I've seen this before, whatever. I think going into this, you would have maybe a little apprehension as you do all the time when you go see a movie for the first time that's, this movie's almost 50 years old. Um, But having said that, there wasn't any like, oh, I appreciate this movie because it's 47 years old, 48 years older. I can see why people would have liked this then. I just thought it was actually a great movie, even today, even watching it for the, for the first time. Um, and what I think makes it unique too is the fact that it's like a James Bond blood sport combo. Like it's a, it was completely unexpected to me the way this movie like played out. Um, even to the point of like him not fighting Bolo in the end. 
so I, there is no like qualifiers in why I like this. I just thought it was really great. So I know you're not a big manga fan or a big anime fan. And I know this is like totally like the tropes come straight from. Well, all right, let me just say it. Dragon Ball is not the original birthplace of, of tournament style storylines, right? But the more I was watching this, the more it reminded me of Dragon Ball. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain something to you real quick, David, because I know you probably know nothing about Dragon Ball. But there's Dragon Ball, and then there's Dragon Ball Z, okay? And in the original Dragon Ball, you have Goku, who's like a little kid, and he trains, and he's like super strong and super proficient in martial arts, and he grows up, and he enters this like the whole story, like bulk of the story of Dragon Ball is he enters this fight, uh, Kung Fu tor- tournament and um, kicks ass, right? And then it ends. And then years later, Dragon Ball Z comes out and introduces the whole fact that the entire time he's an alien, there's aliens, and there's a whole bunch of aliens in Dragon Ball Z. But originally in Dragon Ball, it was just a Kung Fu manga, right? Um, this movie reminded me of that so much like incredibly so and i think dragon ball came out in the 80s so i it would be a safe bet to say like this inspired dragon ball almost to the t i mean yeah i think that that would obviously make sense all of like if you're in a specific genre of movie they're all playing off of each other they're all like oh wow they did this we have to do that, but let's do it better. Um, and so the idea of like manga taking after, um, you know, this is a, this is a Chinese martial arts movie. So, and manga is traditionally Japanese, right? Yeah. So, but having said that, I mean, like, you know, being influenced by someone as like renownedly loved as Bruce Lee would obviously make sense to me. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that, I mean, especially back in the 70s and 80s, a lot of things that you could do in like comic books that you couldn't do on the big screen, right? Like we were talking about Akira, how it wouldn't work for like live action because there's just like a lot of out of this world stuff that translates better in book or animation than it would live action. And I think that kind of applies here too. Like even though this movie does like a lot of cool badass fighting scenes you know a lot of cool stuff it's still like a pretty contained film yeah i mean that's obvious that that a live action movie would have to especially one that cost under a million dollars would have to be um more contained and obviously couldn't take the same uh, steps or couldn't go in the same directions that a uh, an animated either comic or movie could do. Um, we've gone really afar of discussing the movie. Um, one thing I want to bring up back to the movie is um, the next real scene that we get is them in the banquet, the uh, the welcome banquet. Mm, yeah, uh, that Han likes to do it up when he invites these people to uh, come fight. And this scene really made me think that Roper was like an agent too. And it was like, well, is Williams in on this too? Like, cause they both have this military background. I thought they were all in on it. Right. Because Lee at one point, uh, kind of summons over Roper, you know, gives him this whatever. And Roper walks over and he's like, why are you so apprehensive? And Roper's like, I'm not apprehensive. I'm just deciding whether or not I can drink the water. And he's like, you can't con me. And then Roper like dismisses him and then walks away. And I'm like, oh, so he's an agent too. And I don't, maybe we don't ever get told that, um, but maybe. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Roper for a second because here, here's the thing, right? You find out that he's only there. I guess there's like a cash money prize to be won at the end of the tournament. Am I like incorrect in thinking that? They don't say that, so but I would I would presume there's some reason uh, that you would. I mean, I think Bloodsport had a cash prize, but then also there's just the uh, the betting, right? He's like purposely kind of making it seem like he's not that great, so he can can bet on himself. 
Well, okay. Yeah, I guess that's true too. But it just seems like a really like roundabout way to get money to pay off your debt to like gangsters. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's obviously something he's good at, right? And so he was in, he was also, you have to be invited. Han has to invite you. So, um, it's, <laughs> it's also a good way to lay low just to go to Hong Kong. Um, cause I guess presumably he was in the States when they attacked him. So weird how we're introduced to him too, like while golfing and then he like hits the golf ball far away and goes to retrieve it. And that's when the goons like confront him. Like they were, they were banking on him. Like they're following him on all the holes. Like when is he going to fucking shank one of these so we can attack him? Like, <laughs> and then his, like, I guess it's his secretary. That was never like really clear, but he, he was like, how much money do I have in the bank account? She's like 60 bucks. And he's like, okay, it's yours. And her sarcastic is like, gee, thanks. It's so great. Some of the acting in this was just a little, like, I think that uh, maybe the ADR has a lot to do with that. Um, mm. but is like weird in spots, just like doesn't make a whole lot of, I mean, but that's, you know, whatever it was, it was, it, it didn't like distract too much from me, but I was like, that's, that's like a weird way to say that line. The, uh, the thing that, and you know, I, I kept kind of hinting that I wasn't quite satisfied with the ending of this movie. And I felt like it left a lot of loose ends still open, but the biggest one for me is Roper's like journey right so basically there's no more tournament half the people on the island are dead the cia military mi6 whatever you want to call it comes in and like takes over we see six dudes run onto a helicopter and then we never see anything else (laughs) i i guess it's because okay whatever my point is is that roper never gets his money and he just, we end the movie with him just like thumbs up on the island. And it's like, that was never, there was no closure there whatsoever. Maybe he like won the island. Maybe as they're like getting, everyone's leaving the island. He's just like, I'm going to just stick around and like, the place is self-sufficient. I'll just hang out here. I mean, I would if I owed that much money to like gangsters. Maybe um, the, the white lady will like stay with him. Just chill she's with dead. Him. She died. How did the white lady die? She died in like the, the, okay. So the guys in the white geese fought the guys in the black geese and then, and then they all, and she got caught up in the crossfire that, that, see, that's another thing. Cause I was like, maybe it could have something to do with her. And as he's sitting down towards the end of the movie, he looks out in the distance and there's her dead body. And then he looks really sad and that's it. That's the last time you see her and she's dead on the ground. I never noticed that at all i just like never saw him look at her that's really funny yeah she's just i mean it's like three second shot of her just being dead and him looking sad and then he looks up and there's bruce lee like thumbs up and he's like thumbs up bros for life end of movie but that's what i mean he never gets his money i guess he goes back to america or he stays on the island but then the only love interest for him is dead okay fine it's not his story i guess Right. So uh, next is we get uh, basically the white lady brings in the women for all the guys and Williams chooses four women. Uh, Lee asks for the specific girl who like threw the, the dart at the apple that he caught. She blew the dart. Yeah. Right. From her hand. It's pretty good. Um, and then Roper gets the main lady. I, I think it's funny that you bring in um, she's Mei Ling, I believe in the movie. he brings her in and tells her he knows who she is and asks for, and she's like, I have no information. I'm kept in the palace. I know nothing. (laughs) Fuck. Well, like, this is great. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. You would think if you brought in her character and you established that she was like a planted agent, that she would bring some sort of like, but I, I honestly, do we even ever see her again? Yeah, we see her at the very end as uh, Bolo's fighting Roper. She's standing behind uh, Han, and then she just, like, smiles and walks away, and she releases all the guys in the black geese who fight all the dudes in the white geese. So basically, it's, like, that way we know who's the good guys and the bad guys and who, like, who's, like, we're rooting for. So clear me up a few things. When they were looking at the guys in the black geese who were, like, in the, in the cave dungeons, right? Weren't uh-huh. they all like 
what were, were were they the ones all hopped up on dope? He said they were like old drunks or something, but they I th- I think that was just like a story maybe. Uh, we don't really know exactly what their deal is. We just know that Han's like, oh, they're just like undesirables or something, or you know, da 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 da. It's it's kind of unclear what their actual story is, but apparently they know how to fight. We do know that in the end because yeah. they dominated. Yeah, they did. And then my other question is, why were only some? I mean, I know why, like, like movie plot convenience why, but was there a reason that? Only our main characters were wearing like yellow geese, just because they looked badass. I would assume because um, it's like yeah. Well, I think they were probably the people in the tournament, right? Because O'Hara was wearing it, Williams was wearing it, Roper was wearing it. Uh, Lee was supposed to wear it. But he's like, "Fuck that, not doing it." Um, the other thing is, we never get the rules of the tournament. Uh, it's just basically your hands have to touch, and then you strike each other until like one of them gives up or can't wake up anymore. Well, was it okay? See, that's what I didn't understand too. Was it if one of you either gives up, taps out, dies, or goes unconscious, or is it like best three, uh, three out of five? No, it wasn't a best. It was it was till you give up. I'm pretty sure. Because there was one guy when Roper was fighting, and then Williams was like betting for him or against him. No, for him, right? Because the odds went up the more he lost. Yeah, but I mean, he got hit three times, so you're three out of five. He would have lost. Wasn't maybe it's five out of nine. I don't know. The point is, is that O'Hara's fight went on forever, and I love how like he was the first one to break the rules. Which I'm, and the only reason I guess that is because I'm guessing smashing a bottle and then attacking your opponent with a shiv is against the rules. Two bottles. Two bottles. Yes. And uh, and Bruce Lee was like, "All right, fuck it, I'm gonna just like really kick your ass now." He killed him. Yeah, he did. He he jumped and stomped on him to death. Um, but that happens after uh, Bruce Lee's first night out, uh, where he implicates Williams and gets Williams eventually killed. Um, Bruce Lee beats up a ton of guys, and apparently none of them can ID <laughs> him as the dude that beat their ass. Yep. So, and he didn't, he clearly didn't kill all those guys. So that was, um, doesn't really add up. Um, and then the next, what was, what were those guys going to say, David? Oh, a five foot nine Chinese man attacked me. How many of those are on the island? Yeah, but he's like the new guy. I thought they were all new. No, there was people that were brought on as competitors and there was like hundreds and hundreds of dudes that live on the island. Oh, right, because it's like a school. Like, it's all his students. Yeah, Yeah, okay, that's right. The white gee guys. Correct. You got the white gees, the yellow gees, and the black black gees. And we skipped over, but I mean, we talked about how Williams just beat the shit out of Parsons and we never hear from him again. Um, I also like how Bruce Lee is like climbing that rope and the dude starts cutting it and you see the rope fall. And then he just like, we just see a foot come up and kick the guy in the face. <laughs> um, how did Bolo died? I'm guessing through Roper, but I totally forgot that part. Uh, Bolo dies from Roper. Uh, Roper, <laughs> actually Roper kicks him in the nuts and it kills him. The final blow to Bolo was in the nuts, and then he just falls to the ground. And I don't even know if we know he dies, but he doesn't move again in the movie. Okay. Yeah, that was, like, unclear. Um, this also, the O'Hara fight, obviously, was I think it was still pretty cool, even though he just, like, completely beat the shit out of him. But did you, uh, did you like the uh, boards don't hit back line? Oh, yeah. I mean... Definitely, Bruce Lee had like tons of badass one-liners in this in this movie. Well, you've seen the movie that paid homage to that. In Bloodsport, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme does the brick trick where he hits the bricks and the bottom brick explodes, and then Bolo says to him, "Bricks don't hit back." That's right. Yeah, yeah. Bloodsport's so fucking good. <laughs> I shouldn't have showed it to you until after we started the podcast, but. What are you going to do? 
We'll bring on someone so you can talk about your love for Bloodsport. It's too late. The the other thing that it's you get from, you, the other thing that you get from this movie, and I think it's if you're a Bruce Lee fan, it's something you've already appreciated. But and for the people who like may doubt how good he is, but when he's fighting O'Hara and he's hitting him in the face, his hands are moving so fucking fast. Yeah, one of the parts that I really liked about the movie was that the coals, like the hot coals and how the training was like they put their hands on the coals and then they, you know, quickly retreat back. Um, I guess to like improve their speed. But Bruce Lee's recoil on his punches, I've never seen something so fast. Right. Apparently there's this legend, which I mean, a lot of the, you know, there's the Bruce Lee legends of how great he is. And then there's the Bruce Lee, like, uh, like the, the doubters, but uh, apparently he offered a hundred dollars to anyone on the set who could block one of his jabs. And like, then the end of the quote was like, he didn't lose any money on that. <laughs> like no one could do it. Damn. Um, he, he's a great, um, you know, I've, I've heard of some of his um, quotes, like real life quotes, real life philosophies. Um, he was giving one of them in the movie, right? He's like, if your opponent retracts, you expand. If they expand, you retract. And I just, I, I love that. I don't even remember that from this movie. And then, you know, he's, um, one of his whole things is, uh, you know, move like water. The next scene we get is where uh, Williams takes the heat for Lee. And uh, (laughs) the one takeaway I have from that, besides it was like kind of sucked the, you know, we lose Williams this early. Uh, Did you notice when he says, uh, uh, Han says he can't leave and he's like, listen here, Mr. Han man. I was like, Oh, Mr. Hand man. Yeah. Cause he, cause he's missing a hand. Yeah. Metal. Yep. I thought that too. That Um, fight, that fight was cool. It was. He's like he's like breaking it. That fight looked so much like a Bond villain fight because he's like hitting things in the hand, like with the hand, and like the bird cage breaks and other stuff. Um, yeah. And then you get the whole like kind of a groovy like '60s '70s vibes, like in the room with all the the prostitutes like smoking weed. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, you get a '60s '70s vibes through the whole freaking movie with everyone's sideburns being nine inches long. Uh, after that, you have Han try and team up with Roper. You actually get to see, we never get the backstory on what happened to Han's hand, um, but we get to see like the bones in like a glass case and Roper asks about it and he's like, oh, don't worry about that. It's a souvenir. Yeah. And he uh, even, the most Bond thing ever is he's carrying a cat as he's talking to Roper. Yeah. I mean, it's the Dr. No cat, you know? It's like ripped straight from the page. I was like, oh, what are they trying to tell us? Um, what did you think about that cat scene? I thought it was interesting. And then I thought it was more interesting that the guillotine guillotine was a, a fake. Um, but it was done so it's like you could like prove, I guess, to the audience that Roper is actually like a good guy. It was his literal save the cat moment. Right. Oh, what's funny too is then you see his reaction to William's death, and he like has to hide it because he doesn't want to. That was also when you're like thinking, okay, Roper's clearly an agent because he's like he hides the fact that he's really upset about William's death, but then he doesn't like try and leave immediately or like you know figure out how to get the fuck out of here. He's just like it's almost like he's on a mission. Um, and I also didn't understand until I read afterwards that the the water below Williams that he gets dunked into his dead body is supposed to be acid. Yeah. I pretty much understood that. They don't tell you there needed to be like a, there needed to be like a wood staked sign that says like, uh, don't touch acid. (laughs) When, uh, when you see like a giant acid pool in a, in, um, in a villain's hideout, right. It reminds me of that scene in Austin powers where the sharks with lasers on their heads. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, there's a lot of details in this movie that go and explain, like not just like plot lines, but like, why does Han have so many birds? Like, why is his whole theme like bird cages and birds? There's nothing, you know, thematic or motif that like connects that to us. Not that I caught. And then there was like, I guess our next like 
I have an answer for that. Okay, go ahead. There was supposed to be a ton of a ton of birds, and they ordered, I think, doves. And there's a lost in translation, and they got a bunch of frogs. <laughs> what? Sorry, I don't think there was any birds because of that. <laughs> they just had bird cages and and like yeah. a couple yeah, of birds. They built, they built the bird cages, but they didn't get all the birds they're supposed to. Because like. <laughs> I <laughs> just imagine per- production just getting like the fuck is all these frogs because uh when uh when han's hand crashes through the birdcage in the fight with williams you see two birds fly out those are the only birds you see yeah apparently there's supposed to be more so, so uh, that's hilarious it'd just be funny if they just went with it you see his hand crash through like a terrarium and two frogs jump out no, but can you imagine? It's like, I bet you they just had all these bird cages. They're like, all right, we set up the bird cages. Where are the birds? Just a bunch of frogs. And they're like, oh, fuck it, whatever. So then Lee, the next night, goes right back to trying to go into the hideout through the same entrance he used the time before. And there's like a, apparently a poisonous black cobra there. Yep. Um, was that planted there? We don't know. But he grabs it very easily um that's a real cobra right it's a real cobra that had the uh the venom gland removed so it couldn't actually poison him and it did bite him once during filming um literally my worst nightmare but i don't think it's interesting i guess if it bit him then he had to have actually been doing the the grabbing of it but it looked like it cut in such a way that at one point it's a fake snake Okay, so I thought that too, and then I rewatched it, and when he had it like three fourths of the way into the into the bag, it like yeah. curled around his arm. Yeah, but I thought it had cut again, and he was holding the real snake. Like he had grabbed a fake one. There's a cut, and then he's now holding the real one. They like had someone hand it to him, but I think I guess he was just grabbing it, and he, you know, the aura of him. He was like, I'll just I'll just grab this fucking snake myself. There's this great scene a little bit after that where he puts the snake in the bag, right? And then he takes the snake out and throws it into like the the security um, office. Right. And uh, the two guys in the security office look at the snake, scream, and then uh, throw a chair through the window to escape, like to not go through the snake. And I'm like, literally me. What's well, funny too is like he opens the door to put the snake in. As soon as he opens the door, the guy looks over. He's like, "Oh, why is the door being? Oh, what the?" F-? <laughs> and Lee's just sitting there looking so bored. Like, all right, when are they gonna jump out of the window? <laughs> yeah. He also he also right before that just walks by this like seventeen year old girl who's like, "I'm being drugged. I've been kidnapped. Please help me." And he just like walks by like, uh, "Not not right now. <laughs> You're not why I'm here. You are why I'm here, but like you know." later your your time will come uh and then we get the one of the iconic scenes from this movie where he just keeps beating up dudes um obviously has to take his shirt off for no reason uh but movie purposes um and one of the people he beats up in the movie is uh fairly famous did you recognize them no so the dude he grabs by the hair and holds and then snaps his neck off camera. Yeah. There's Jackie Chan. What? Yeah. Jackie Chan was in this? Yeah, he was one of, he was an extra he was a henchman and I guess he did so good in the getting his neck broken scene that then a minute or two later when Bruce Lee's holding like the two black sticks basically that it, you know it was like one stick that got broken in half. Yeah. He hits one of the dudes into the acid. That was also Jackie Chan. So Bruce Lee killed Jackie, Ch- Jackie Chan twice in this movie. That's and I think great. at one, at, there's a story that at one point he actually hit Jackie Chan in the face and he felt so bad about it. But then he was like, you know, you've handled this so well that I'm going to put you in all my movies from now on. And then this turned out to be his last, Bruce Lee's last movie. And yet somehow Jackie Chan ended up being famous. Well, imagine if he's just an extra in Bruce Lee movies, like he never would have become famous, maybe. There's like an alternate reality where he's just like, just a stunt double or something. That's crazy. Instead of now, like one of the most famous, you know, martial arts action stars on the planet. You literally don't hear much of Jackie Chan anymore. I mean, I'm assuming he's incredibly old now, but still, you know. 
I think he's still probably in pretty damn good shape. He had that movie, The Foreigner, that came out like two years ago. That's right. It looked pretty interesting. Him and James Bond were in it. That's right. Yeah. It did look interesting. It was one of those that like, I saw the trailer for it. I was like, oh, I should go see that. I just never go see that. Went to see that. Um, I think the last thing we talk about is the Lee and Han fight. Uh, right. I mean, so Lee gets trapped and just sort of like sits down and like, all right, well, I'll just, uh, you know, I'll just chill here. And then Han, like a true Bond villain, instead of just killing him, is like, no, no. We're going to take you to the beach. I'm going to surround you by a hundred of my dudes. And like, you know, eventually one of them will kill you. Um, and then we get the Bolo Roper fight, uh, which is obviously fairly iconic. And then, yeah, we get the Han uh, Lee fight, which I actually, the, I thought the mirror part was cool, but I didn't like that nearly as much as like the part in the room before that, like the fighting with, just the normal fight where they just kept going at each other instead of like Han kind of sneakily like hitting him with the, with the knives every once in a while in the mirror room. Yeah. Um, I thought they were, uh, they were going to really use the fact that Han has like interchangeable weapon hands a lot more. And I was kind of looking forward to that and that never happened. So I was kind of sad. His knife hand looked really fucking fake. It's, it's a knife hand. It just, it looked really bad. It's just like this, it just, I didn't like it. Aesthetically, it didn't please me. Did you like the bear claw better? Oh yeah, bear claw's cool. Bear I like how that was the last shot of the movie. You just saw like, it pans down and there's like the bear claw stuck in the table. Uh, I think the the most iconic part of the fight with Han is the when Bruce Lee kicks him so hard that he turns into a puppet. <laughs> what? So there's one scene where you just are looking at the back of Han's head with Bruce Lee in front of him, and it's like one of the fastest kicks ever. And it's clearly that once he makes contact with the head, like the Han's body just like disappears from the screen in an instant. It's like clearly a dummy that he just kicked the shit out of as fast as he could. And it almost looks like they had to have sped it up because they're like, this looks really fake. You have to go back and watch this because the reason I knew about it is I saw it as a GIF like years ago. And then like, it's so obvious in that fight scene. It's like right before they go into the mirror part. Okay. I'll go back and watch that part. If you'll go back and watch for Roper looking at the dead blonde lady, all sad. I mean, my part's way cooler that you get to watch, but that's fine. I'll go back. I don't make the rules, David. I just enforce them. We also get uh, a payoff with, uh, in the beginning of the movie, Bruce Lee tells Braithwaite that, oh, so you just make phone calls. And then Bruce Lee sends, like, he apparently knows Morse code, sends a (laughs) message. Braithwaite gets it in bed. He's like, oh my God, this has been here for 30 minutes. I have to make a phone call. (laughs) (laughs) To send in those six guys on the helicopter who we never see make it to the island. Pretty sure it was more than six guys. Well, you see the helicopters flying overhead, though. I didn't see that. Did you not watch the same ending that I saw with the dead blonde and that three helicopter, like the three helicopters flying over the island at the end? I mean, maybe there's like an interspliced cut or something. I didn't see it. No. Okay, now you're making me think like I'm, I'm making it up. Like I, I somehow I watched this so late at night that I dreamed part of the ending of the movie. This would not be the first time that you've done something like that where you've made up an aspect of a movie we've talked about. What are you talking about? What are you referring to? Um, I don't know. You've just made up quotes before and stuff. Or you've said like, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I don't have okay. specific examples. Okay, but I'll, I'll keep I'll keep track from now on. Quotes? I'll admit I probably made up a quote or two from a movie. Um, I mean, all in all, I, th- I think you said it the best. It's, it's Dr. No mixed with blood sport or, you know, replace blood sport with any other Kung Fu tournament movie. And it's such a unique blend of like Kung Fu movie and spy movie. And it, it, it really works except for that part in the middle where are they all addicted to opium? That part confused me. But apart from that, it was a pretty clean movie. 
and kind of you know gets me interested in like other bruce lee movies and also like just other movies of this like genre and and time period we need it we need to do more like kung fu movies i think uh i think that's missing from our platform well i mean not to commit to that or anything but i was not surprised at how much I enjoyed the movie, but yet maybe at the same time, because this is obviously like a very highly regarded movie, even by people who don't like, you know, martial arts movies. Um, And, but I really enjoyed it and I think it really holds up and um, yeah, it's probably be one that I watch, you know, from time to time. It's, it's a really like fun, easy watch. It's pretty entertaining. So um, I really loved it. Thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I and finally, I finally watched, watched Enter the Enter Dragon. The Dragon.